Welcome to Produce Talks. This whole business is based on relationship and friendships. Food is darn simple. What can we do? What are other countries doing? How important it is for industry to be talking about this. We're going back to the farm. We're going back to the whole food. Hello, and welcome to Produce Talks, the CPMA podcast. I'm Wally Burns, the new Education and Training Manager at CPMA. On this edition of Produce Talks, we are pleased to be talking with CPMA 2021 Produce Champion, Ontario Senator Rob Black, member of the Senate Standing Committee on Agriculture and Forestry. CPMA's annual Produce Champion Award is given to one or more members of Parliament and or Senate who have been supportive of the produce industry and effective at bringing industry issues to the forefront on Parliament Hill. CPMA would like to acknowledge Nature Fresh Farms as a sponsor of this podcast. You can find more information about Nature Fresh Farms at www.naturefresh.ca. And you can keep up with them on Instagram or Twitter at nature underscore fresh and at Pinterest at nature fresh, along with other social media. Here to speak with Senator Black is Juan Lemaire, the president of CPMA. Thanks, Wally. Our 2021 recipient is the Honorable Rob Black. Senator Black has worked in the rural, agricultural, and leadership arenas for much of his professional career, including being involved in 4-H for almost 50 years at the local, provincial, and national levels. Senator Black was previously the Ward 5 representative on Wellington County Council. He has also worked with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs, 4-H Ontario, and the Centre for Rural Leadership, which has since morphed into the Rural Ontario Institute. On February 27, 2018, Rob was sworn in as Senator representing the province of Ontario. Since then, he has been working on several issues of importance to Canadians through his role. He has also been the chair of the Canadian Sector Group since its inception. In addition to his recognition as CPMA's 2021 Produce Champion, Senator Black has been the recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal and the Outstanding Leadership Program Director Award from the International Association of Programs for Agricultural Leadership. He is an honorary member of the Canadian 4-H Council and was named as one of the top 50 most influential people in agriculture by Canadian Western Agribition. It's quite a series of accomplishments, and I'm very happy now to welcome Senator Black to Produce Talks. Senator, welcome. Thanks very much, Ron. It's a pleasure to join you today. Well, you know, Senator, let's jump right into this because I know our audience would really love to know because when you hear of everything you've accomplished in your role as a senator, really, how did it all come about? How did you become a senator? And, you know, tell us a little bit about your work on the Senate Standing Committee on Agriculture and and Forestry. Sure. Thanks, Ron. Uh, I've had this opportunity to uh, answer this question many times over the last three and a half years. And every time I say it, it's because of 4-H and other leadership programs like Junior Farmers and the Advanced Agricultural Leadership Program that I am where I am today. 
4-H uh, provided a, a background and a grounding for everything I've done in my career, my uh, agricultural career. In addition to 4-H, junior farmers and programs like ALP, I'm a graduate of the University of Guelph, OAC, and Queen's University, Kingston, with a Bachelor of Education. I spent my first 15 years uh, with the provincial government, mostly with OMAFRA, where I held a number of positions around the province. Uh, five years after that, I spent the next five years as the first executive director of 4-H Ontario, and I will say that's the best job I ever had, uh, again, supporting the new 4-H program here in Ontario. I spent a short time with the Ontario Soybean Growers before I accepted the position of the executive director of the Centre for Rural Leadership, which eventually changed or morphed into the Rural Ontario Institute. But I applied to be a senator. Back in 2016, July of 2016, it was an online application process. Our son Taylor saw the invitation online and suggested one night that I should apply. And so I did. It was a six page application and I had to provide three reference letters and I sent it away. And so that was July of 2016. In early 2017, I think it was February, I received notice that my application was unsuccessful in that first group. And uh, the question was, would I like to leave it there? So I also had the opportunity to tweak it and send it back, which I did. And so I sent it back and I am now told that, uh, or I've learned that there were about 3,800 applications for Ontario Senate positions in that second group of applications. November 30th of 2017, well over a year and a half since I applied, uh, put the application in, I received an email from the Privy Council office asking for more information, proof of citizenship, ownership of land, further details about my family and, and what they did and their employers. In mid-January of 2018, I had a telephone interview with two individuals from the Prime Minister's office. They just had a bunch of questions really focused around possible skeletons in my closet that might embarrass a Prime Minister. Friday, the Fe February the 9th, I had a phone call in the afternoon from the Privy Council office to set up an interview for the following Monday. They couldn't tell me who I'd be speaking to, but to expect a call at 3.30. You can imagine how that weekend went. I was driving to Ottawa on, uh, on the Monday uh, on our OI business, Rural Ontario Institute business, and the call came in at 3.30. Mr. Black, this is the Prime Minister's office. Please hold for the Prime Minister. Well, I pulled over, I was close to Ottawa and pulled over and we chatted for 14 minutes. The Prime Minister noted my background in agriculture and rural community development in 4-H and in leadership development. And he indicated that he wanted me to bring those skill sets to the Chamber of Sober Second Thought. At the end of the call, he noted that I could tell my family, but I couldn't scoop the Prime Minister <laughs> until he made the announcement in the next few days. And so uh, on the Thursday of that week, he did make the announcement. And like my colleague senators, I was sworn into the Senate of Canada with pomp and circumstance dictated by 152 years of history on February the 27th, 2018. And I've been sitting in the red chamber ever since. And it, it is my honor and privilege to sit in the Senate of Canada chamber. And I've also had the distinct pleasure of serving on the Standing Committee on Agriculture and Forestry since, since I started. I particularly enjoy my time with AGFO, which is the committee, uh, Standing Committee in Agriculture and Forestry, as committees are in place where we get to hear from experts and real people in their fields and people who deal with challenges every day. Farmers, in our case, farmers and other workers in the ag industry are well-placed to give us advice and suggestions and, and support for what we're doing. 
you know, we achieve great things in our committees where we all come together, we work together and are respectful of one another. In the committee, we don't uh, compete for sound bites as sometimes happens elsewhere in the in the House of Commons and in the Senate of Canada. We really do seek to get to the heart of the issues we're talking about. And that's where I get excited. The AGFO committee, much like Parliament, was deeply impacted by uh, the limitations related to COVID-19, as you might expect. And so, unfortunately, we were unable to examine as many issues as we would have liked to in the last uh, 18 or 19 months. However, in the recent past, my colleagues and I have studied the transfer of family farms and fishing corporations. We produced a report entitled Made in Canada, Growing Canada's Value-Added Food Sector. We examined the role of climate change and carbon in relation to Canadian agriculture, among many other issues that we were able to cover. Well, you know what, Senator, and I've had the opportunity to uh, present to uh, to the Standing Committee, and I have to say you're spot on relative to what I've experienced and how the, uh, the Senate and the committee is extremely keen on how do they support growth and change. And what I find really interesting, and you know, the conversation with the Prime Minister as we've seen in the last two uh, governments uh it's very much an urban based government you know with a lot of uh, the current government's elected officials being centralized in major cities your background on rural and agricultural development i'm sure is is key in coming in and providing that support you know through the senate you know to uh, to the house of commons with a perspective but going through the process, I'm sure you've had some surprises or lessons that you've learned as a senator. Can you share some of those? I sure can. I found the experience, the entire experience, to be very rewarding. You know, I liken it. I tell people it's like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. Uh, so much to learn, to understand, and to get used to. And that's both in the in the Senate chamber and in committees. And the learning curve has been steep, and it's it's ongoing. I anticipate I'll be learning until the day I leave the Senate, and that's that's okay. The Senate has uh, provided me with uh, some very different experiences than my time with OMAFRA in at the provincial level. During my time with OMAFRA. I was in a program delivery and management roles, dealing primarily with programs compared to the Senate, where our work centers around policy and government bills and, and reports that uh, might lead to government bills and, and further regulations and policy changes. Uh, also, at the provincial level with OMAFRA, I was focused on the province and, and in particular, in many cases, in a, in a county within the province, whereas now I, uh, I look at issues from a, a provincial and Canadian perspective. It's a cross-country perspective that, that I need to keep it, keep in mind in anything I do. You know, Ron, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Um, uh, I have the chance to speak up for agriculture, which in the Senate of Canada, I think is very important. And I get the opportunity to champion the good work being done by the sector and by organizations like, like yourselves. I get to work on issues that impact the sector and hopefully maybe move the bar forward a little bit. And I, I, it's exciting when we can see that bar being moved forward. I get to meet and work with good people around the province and across the country. What more could I ask for? I enjoy doing what I'm doing now. It's a great place for me to be at this time. Yeah, that sounds great. And you know what? I'm sure COVID has definitely thrown some curves at you over the last 18 months. And while it's been difficult for everybody, as a public official, 
you know, your experience must have been very different over, you know, from the start of COVID even to now as we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel, even as we move into uh, what people are considering the fourth wave. Yeah, the pandemic has forced us all to to be online more than ever. And suddenly our computers, our screens, our, our, our offices, our schools, our gyms, and our social gatherings, and has been for many months. While it was certainly challenging at first, it has enabled many organizations, yours and, and many others, as well as the Senate of Canada, to have both the infrastructure to meet in person and virtually going forward. So I think we're we're we could very well say we're better prepared. And although technological advances have made connecting easier during this challenging time with platforms like Zoom and Teams and many others, the greater dependency on internet connectivity to work, to learn, and to play has also highlighted the disparities between urban and rural communities. And that is a big that is a big gap. Unfortunately, it's an ongoing issue that we must address sooner rather than later. And it needs to be addressed by government and telecommunications uh, companies and the industry as a whole. Throwing more money into the pot for broadband, while good, is not the full answer. It's evident that we need shovels in the ground now to get the job done, not in 2030, where is the latest uh, time period that we'll we'll see broadband uh, high-speed access across Canada. I think it's unfathomable that in 2021, rural communities across Canada, in many cases, can't access reliable high-speed internet. And your your members, your organization will be experiencing the same thing. Yeah, you know, you hit it right on the head, Senator. I think uh, when we look at the drive towards innovation and uh, especially looking at our export strategies and even our domestic growth strategies and where agriculture, where rural Canada can play a role in actually being a leader in driving change. But you start looking at some of the nuts and bolts that link some of the new innovations together that rely on broadband, that rely on uh, some of the new technologies that are just on the outside of the reach of some of the uh, farmers. Uh, I know everyone's eager to see when, uh, as you say, when the shovels get in the ground and when the system begins to change for everyone. Now, you know what, we, uh, we're looking at the role of agriculture on that thought. And you know what, especially in the fresh produce industry, we can play a big role in Canada's economic recovery, you know, coming out of the pandemic. What do we need to do to maximize our industry's potential? What do you think? Well, as you know, I am and always will be an advocate. I've worked in agriculture for most of my life, and it's what I know best and will remain the primary focus as long as I'm in the uh, uh, I serve Canadians in the Senate of Canada. Agriculture has an amazing potential to be an important part of the post pandemic recovery. And we've told government that and your organization and many other ag organizations have told government that for the last 18 months. I truly believe that agriculture can come out of this crisis stronger than ever and that the industry can be an economic driver to help Canadians through this pandemic and post-pandemic. But we need the support of all levels of government, and, and I've been advocating for that as well. Despite its many downsides, the pandemic has given us all reason to re-examine our priorities, develop backup plans, 
and ensure that we're ready for anything. And your organization has done that like many others. The opportunity to recognize the progress being made and the good work being done by organizations and within our communities uh, and within the agricultural sector is certainly uh, now and it's evident as we look at those, uh, as we re-examine the priorities and, and plan for the future. In particular, the fresh produce sector has, has played a key role throughout the pandemic to ensure that our country has had access to fresh and safe fruits and vegetables without fears of shortages in our grocery store shelves. With 40 million hectares of cropland, the energy resources to cultivate it and a fifth of the planet's fresh water to make things grow, Canadians are truly lucky to have one of the world's strongest agricultural industries here in Canada. However, despite the widespread prosperity in our nation, the pandemic has further highlighted cracks in the system. You know, uh, according to a recent article in McLean's that examined food insecurity, one in eight Canadian households struggled to put food on their table in 2020. And that number unfortunately rose during the pandemic. And I'm hopeful that the fresh produce sector with the support of key stakeholders in both the public and private sectors can work to ensure that Canadians, uh, families from coast to coast to coast will have access to nutritious and affordable produce. In 2019, the Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada announced the nation's first ever federal food policy. And in doing so, the government recognized that Canadian foods are recognized worldwide for the highest standards of quality and food safety, and that this sector is responsible for one in eight jobs across the country. One in eight jobs. That's tremendous. They also recognize the issues within the system, namely that too many Canadians aren't able to reliably access healthy food, and that Canadians collectively waste more than 11 million metric tons of food every year, worth nearly $50 billion. And so we now see we see a focus and work being done around a circular economy and some supports to uh, to support uh, changes in in, uh, in changes being made around a circular economy. The agricultural industry, particularly the fresh produce sector, I think will be instrumental in ensuring Canadians food Canada's Canadians and Canada's food sovereignty going forward. We will need to work on strengthening and, and enhancing our food supply system domestically, but we can't forget about our international markets. We need to ensure that our industry remains competitive uh, in food production at the international level as well. I think there needs to be a shift in perception around agriculture in order for the industry to maximize its potential. In my response to the 2020 speech from the throne, I highlighted the lack of attention to Canadian agriculture in the speech. The government frequently speaks about its commitment to agriculture, yet the sector never seems to make the cut in their top priorities. This has to change. I'm hopeful that the way in which agriculture had to quickly adapt to ensure that the industry continued operating safely and securely throughout the pandemic will prove to many uh, its worth and value and, and show the fact that you can do that. Lastly, I believe that there must be a push to get young people involved in, more in agriculture and to view agriculture as a viable career path. According to uh, uh, the Planning for Tomorrow 2.0 report commissioned a few years ago by the Ontario Agriculture College at the University of Guelph, there are four jobs for every OAC graduate. This is great news for OAC graduates, but this presents an issue uh, uh, for the agricultural industry at large. 
according to the same report, 51% of employers in the food industry and 67% in agriculture said that they had trouble finding recruits. CARC, in a recent report, the Canadian Agriculture Human Resource Council, in, the, in research that they've done, says that by 2029, there'll be a shortage of 123,000 workers. Currently, that labor gap costs uh, producers $2.9 billion a year, and it's only going to get worse. Your members will acknowledge and recognize that. I think we need to help young Canadians uh, appreciate and know that agriculture is not just about farming and about being a farmer. There are countless, countless opportunities in the ag and agri-food industry that are based in communications, tech, finance, and many more. The labor shortage is a real problem, and we need to fix that. However, it does seem that Canadians have become interested in learning about where their food comes from and how it gets to their table as a result of and over the course of this pandemic. And I'm hopeful that this trend will continue going forward. Uh, it will also support your membership and, and the sector. And programs like Agriculture in the Classroom and here in Ontario, Agscape, will have the opportunity, I hope, to teach more and more young Canadians about the many possibilities of working in agriculture. It is a viable opportunity to work in this sector. You know that. I know that. Your members know that. Let's keep it going. Well, Senator, you, you hit it all on the head, right? And then you're in your answer. And you know what? It's it's truly, truly an integrated approach from you know everything I uh, I'm hearing you say and and how do we connect it all together? I think is our next big uh, challenge. Uh, but I agree with you. I think there's a lot of opportunity and the potentials there. I want to talk a little bit about sustainability um, and sustainable agriculture. We know, you know, uh, they're both increasingly important for both the industry and the consumer right across the country. I know soil health has been a key focus for you. Can you talk a little bit about that for our members and uh, how you see the importance of sustainability moving forward? Well, thanks, uh, Ron. Since becoming a senator in 2018, I've consistently been meeting with soil health stakeholders, including farmers, scientists and agronomists and other agribusiness owners, as well as experts like my friend Don Lobb uh, and his academic son, Dr. David Lobb. In fact, it was Don Lobb who gave me a nudge to look into Senator Herbert Sparrow's Senate uh, report on soil health, which was completed in 1984. And uh, Don gave me that nudge just ahead of my appointment uh, or my swearing in in February of 2018. The 1984 report entitled Soil at Risk, done by the Senate Agricultural Committee, is the most requested report on Parliament Hill. Really? Even today is the most requested report done on Parliament Hill. However, in the decades that have passed since the report came out, the Canadian landscape has certainly changed significantly, and it's high time that this report is updated. And that's my mission. Prior to the pandemic, I did propose to the Standing Committee on Agriculture and Forestry that they undertake a new soil health study. It's been 37 years since the Senate last completed a study on soil health. Committees are a place where we can hear from experts in their fields, as I've mentioned, and people who deal with the challenges each and every day. And farmers and other workers in the ag industry are well-placed to give us advice and suggestions. I believe that the Senate Standing Committee uh, on Agriculture and Forestry, in particular, is uniquely placed and has the opportunity to speak with soil experts, researchers, and advocates across Canada uh, if we proceed with a new and updated study on the health of soils in Canada. 
with the pandemic and with the lack of resources that we've been able to do within committees, that study went by the wayside when the uh, government was uh, well, was finished in August. And so it, I will again put it forward as a suggestion when we get back to work in the coming uh, weeks and months. I've also risen on a number of occasions uh, in the Senate chamber at events and meetings and in Agriculture and Forestry Committee to speak about the importance of soil health and raise awareness about this important issue, not only in Parliament Hill, but across the country. Most recently, I rose to speak about Bill C-12, an act respecting the transparency and accountability in Canada's efforts to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by the year 2050. During my speech in June, I touched on the role of the agricultural sector in the fight against climate change, in addition to the client correlation between healthy soil and a healthy climate. I am hopeful, as you might expect, that this soil health study that I will again propose to AGFO is undertaken and that it will connect Canadians by introducing soil health through a lens of food security, environmental conservation, and the link between air and water quality and soil health. I liken it to a three-legged stool, and air and water quality are the two of the legs that we've heard so much about. Soil health, we haven't heard a lot about, and so we need to. And the royal role that soil plays in carbon markets and climate change. Obviously, it will connect with your members, and I'm hopeful that they can help to drive the study and, as results come out, share the results. Yeah, you know what? When this is a this is a topic, I know we can spend a lot more time on. I just also want to connect, you know, where industry is looking at this even broader. As soil health is one piece of a national sustainability index that is essential for agri-food. You know, when we look at how everything connects together again, and right now, actually, some exciting news that there are over fifty organizations, NGOs, agri-food, government working together to try and create this indices. So hopefully we'll see some success in the coming year. Well, I do hope so. And I will tell you that I had over 150 letters of support and indications of support when I first put this uh, study forward in the Agriculture and Forestry Committee. So I'm hopeful that uh, that folks are behind uh, behind it and behind me on this uh, proposing this study. And your members, I know, have been tremendously supportive as well. That's great. So I want to circle back for one last question around you, you know, the comment you made around opportunities in agriculture, agri-food, and the different jobs and the different, uh, you know, programs that are available. And a lot of young professionals that are out there, you know, thinking about produce, the produce industry, agriculture, what advice can you give them, you know, to uh, looking at the future and where things are going? To start off, I'd like to share a quote that William Aitchison Stewart, uh, who was Minister of Agriculture, the Ontario Department of Agriculture from 1961 to 1975, said, and it resonates with me, especially with this question. He said, in every sphere of agriculture, there is a need for leaders, men and women who can distinguish between fact and emotion, who can analyze situations and take decisive action, and who can inspire others to do the same. He goes on to say, a lifetime of working with others has taught me the importance of these skills. Good citizens interested in helping peers, family, and country need to learn to think for themselves and communicate clearly. 
So with that, and I, I keep that quote with me because I think it's important. I would like to say to young professionals in the, in the produce sector and across the agricultural industry, I think they and we need to keep working and to keep learning from all the experiences that surround us. And I think we need to find programs that will help them grow and learn. And uh, there are so many programs across the country, in your sector, in the not-for-profit sector, and in other, other uh, sectors of agriculture. I think it's critical that we as a community support current and emerging leaders. And that's where I spent a lot of the last 15 years of my time, working with current and emerging leaders who are concerned about agricultural and rural issues, who have the self-confidence, the necessary critical thinking and communication and advocacy skills. They have an understanding of Canadian economic, social, political, and environmental systems and the world in which they operate here at home, across Canada, and around the world. And they also have a broad knowledge base and extensive networks in which to work and play. I think it's the only way that Canadian agriculture will continue to grow is if we support these young people through programs and, and, and learning opportunities. And at the same time, I think they need to keep in mind uh, Bill Stewart's quote and that in every sphere of agriculture, there is a need for leaders and your members and your the young people involved in, in the produce sector certainly can be uh, can be leaders in the sector. Ron, before we wrap up, I, I, I just wanted to say again, and I know you asked the question earlier, but I, I did want to just share with you one more point about uh, one of the biggest lessons learned since I've become a senator. And one, like anywhere else, is the, the wheels of government turn slowly, and even at the parliamentary level. But when change does happen, when bills are, are enacted and royal assent is granted, our regulations and policies are changed, uh, it's, it's interesting to see things change at that point. And, and it's, it's uh, exciting to say I might have had a hand in, in some of that so that's rewarding. And the final thing, and this is to acknowledge the, the many folks on the Hill that, that work behind the scenes. I was shocked by the amount of reading uh, and, and necessary reading that's required to keep keep up on things. And you can, you can appreciate that. And uh, so I'm extremely thankful for my colleagues in my office and the larger Senate family pages to committee clerks and to the library staff for the constant support that they provide me and my colleagues in the Senate chamber. We couldn't do it without the support of those people around us. And you know the same thing from your role in, in your organization. But I just wanted to touch on that before we wrapped up. You know what, Senator, it makes me, uh, makes me happy to hear you acknowledge, you know, everyone that makes the wheels turn and you're bang on, you know, here at CPMA, I have the pleasure of having this conversation with you, but there's, a great team, you know, here in the office yeah. and within our volunteer base that make this organization, you know, what it is. And I know likewise in engagement with your office and others at the Senate, you're bang on. We, you and I can't do what we do without all of these key people behind the scenes making things happen. Absolutely. So Senator, you know what? Thank you. Thank you very much for being part of this podcast and Again, congratulations on being CPMA's 2021 Produce Champion. This episode has been, again, a fabulous opportunity to learn a little bit more about a unique part of our business and a unique part of how government functions. So thank you to you, Senator, and thank you to our listeners for listening in. 
Until next time, fill half your plate with fruit and veggies, continue to seek out new knowledge, and never stop growing.